podcast everyone today my guests are uh, a band and film collective that i found about a year ago and I, I was driving in my car on a perfect day i swear to god it was sunny there were rainbows and a song came onto my queue called i love everything and it was just like the perfect song to the perfect song for the perfect day and it happened to be by this group called the shy kids um the shy kids include patrick Walter and Matt, who is known for having um, technical difficulties with his laptop occasionally. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it, they're, they're from uh, Toronto, Canada, and they've been making music and being a collective for shit. Is that 10 years now? Almost 11, 2012? Probably. Yeah, I think, I think almost 12 at this point, because I think 2011 was when we, initially got together and started writing songs wow so what came first the music or the filmmaking we met at university walter and i were in film school together matt was at the same university studying radio and television so that was kind of the catalyst for it all was our interest in visual storytelling and then the band kind of was birthed from looking for something to do Oh wow! On the side. So, did you guys all want to be do film like growing up then, basically, and that's why you all ended up being in college, or was college like a thing that's kind of as a spur of the moment decision to go to film? Um, Walter wanted to be a priest. He's told me many times. <laughs> yeah, priesthood to film. <laughs> I think I just enjoyed that there was somebody I wanted to be a minister just to be clear but priests haven't had the greatest year um century um uh yeah and I wanted to be a minister because I really liked the guy who got up and told stories every Sunday and everyone had to listen to him and so I feel like I was just looking for some sort of job that everyone had to listen to me for a, a set time. Um, and so um, in high school, uh, I met this person who told me that if a teacher has to roll in uh, a TV, that you get a higher grade because they're not going to roll in that TV for no reason. So I just turned most of my projects into little movies or like little raps and stupid little stuff like that. And then from there, got accepted into university um, for filmmaking. Um, but as we were kind of doing that, I, I had a band in high school and I just kind of wanted to do that again. So I talked to the only people that I knew who had, who were, who would talk back to me. And then we started a band. Oh, hell yeah. What about you, Patrick? Yeah, I did a lot of theater in high school. Uh, and then on my nights off, I would go home and I was learning to do animation and so when I was coming out of high school, theater to me wasn't really the direction I wanted to go, but I did love doing like post-production and editing and animation. So I felt like there was kind of a marriage of the two practices in film. And mm -hmm. that's why I went to university for, yeah. Hell yeah. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I grew up uh, skateboarding a lot. And uh, my brother and I and uh, some friends we'd always like grab our parents um dv cam and shoot a skateboarding with like the fisheye and everything 
Um, and like just doing that, you be like, I used uh, Windows. Windows Movie Maker? Movie Movie Maker. That's what it's called. Yeah. Windows Movie Maker. And like that's, you kind of go through the process of understanding like editing and those sorts of things and putting music underneath. So that was like my introduction there. And then similar to Walter, I'd like use those skills. Like if there was an English project, I'd always do a video if it was possible, like a video essay or something like that. And then when I was in high school, I bought a, my parents got me a guitar for my birthday. So I wanted to play the guitar and I just like jammed on the guitar for like four years straight and slowly started messing around with recording. It's when I started university, more or less. Nice. So our films were sort of famous. He had a, a oh. very popping video game parody. <laughs> I have successfully kept this from anybody talking about this for years. For years. I took him off the internet and everything. That's so weak of you. They're really bad. When I was in like, I think like middle school to high school, I would write these parody songs, Weird Al style about video games. <laughs> what uh, were some of the hits? <laughs> uh, there was a parody of uh, Lips of an Angel by Hinder. Uh, it was Lips of an Admin about Counter-Strike. Nice. Any other? Hey There Halo parody of <laughs> Hey Delilah. Sick. Can you sing a little bit of Hey yeah, There? Yeah, I want to hear that one. <laughs> Halo. Hey there, Halo. What's <laughs> it like? Any? How many hits did you get? We were up to like some of them. The World of Warcraft one, which is a parody of Cascada's uh, "Every Time We Touch, I Get This Feeling." It's called "Every Time I Wow." The titles left something <laughs> to be desired. That was at, that was over a million. Oh, um, it was early, early YouTube days, though. Early YouTube days. Damn, you should have kept it going. That's like more views than like most of our songs. <laughs> Every couple years, I'm like, could I start it up again? <laughs> I just feel like now uh, the internet's a much different place. Wordle doesn't have any great songs, True. to my knowledge. Yeah, good point. But yeah. So yeah, I had been I had been messing around like Matt like Matt with recording and figuring out audio production uh, going into university as well, and then it all just kind of melded together at the right time. So did you guys like all graduate in the same year and everything as well? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 Wow. So it was like just a perfect match of everything. It worked out. I mean, Walter and I, Oh, Oh, did we lose Matt? No. Famous for his technical difficulties. (laughs) We'll add him back when he appears in. All right. Do you want to the story of how we made music together for the first time? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, so I kind of only peripherally knew Pat and he, um, we were, we lived on in residence, which is like where you live on the campus Mm -hmm. and they had a talent show going on and it was a very snowy night. And, um, we saw the different people who were in the talent show and (laughs) nobody was that good. And, only peripherally knowing him, I'm like, do you have any talents? Can you do anything? He's like, I can play guitar. And I was like, what song can you play? And he's like, Baby Got Back. And I was like, I know all the words to that one. So we sang like a folksy Baby Got Back, which is a, who who did that? Some guy. Like, I want to say it's Jonathan Colton. Jonathan Colton shouts out. Um, and yeah, so we... Uh, we played that song and we won the talent show. And then we're like, ooh, this is profitable because um, we got a gift card out of it. And so, yeah, then we just. What was the gift card to? <laughs> oh, no. So they had they had a lot of options. Um, this, this is it. What we wanted a gift card to the LCBO, which is in Canada, the communist country that we are. We, you can only buy liquor at this place called the LCBO, which is the Liquor Control Board of Canada. Ontario. Of Ontario, sorry. Um, and so the university was like, we can't uh, give students $200 
liquor cards. cards. <laughs> uh, so instead, we got uh, like a visa, like one of those prepaid MasterCards or visas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and spent it all at the, at the LCBO. Yeah. So... Wait, so how again, does that work again? You guys can't get it in grocery stores or gas stations. We can to in limited grocery stores now we can as of the last like three or four years. But uh then it was just strictly at a I think the LCBO is actually the highest seller of the highest seller of one place of liquor in the world. Because they like control the flow of liquor. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like a crazy system. Why do they do that? But, just to make money and or sweet, sweet, taxable. It's like if it's government run. Yeah, it's like a monopoly on booze. Um, yeah. It's a pretty good monopoly to have. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. But anyways, so it was profitable from the get-go. And then Matt lived on my floor in residence. And we weren't actually like that close of friends. But then he was living in an area called Kensington Market, which is where I was living. And he um, he had this... He would always make songs in university similar to like the thing we were talking about. Of He had these projects where he would like... I remember one... I think it was like a grape soda was like, he had to do an advertisement for grape soda. And it was just like a really cool, like song where it was like, ah, mm, soda. <laughs> and it was really, it was a cool song. And so, yeah, we just kind of willed making music together. Um, yeah. Through, That's awesome. Through humble beginnings. So how long, did you did it take you guys to like come up with a name? And did you have like different names at first? Or was it always Shy Kids? I mean, I don't remember any of the ones we had, but it was talk, talked about a lot. I think, before, I think before we even had a song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, were there any other names we had? I swear to God, like Ruby and the Goldfish oh, or Ruby something. Uh... <laughs> Mowgli's Mowgli's was in the Apple, like the iTunes artist field for a while. Right. Uh, You're the Mowgli's? The Mowgli's are already a band. I think that might have been why we stopped. (laughs) No, no, it was was well before that. I don't know. And even Shy Kids, it's like one of those names where you're like retroactively like, like I heard the Arctic Monkeys talking about their name where they're like, it is like such a bad name for a band. But in some ways you kind of like, like my name's Walter, which is like a crazy name to give a child. And, <laughs> but you kind of, you know, you grow to like, in some ways, like love your name, like a tattoo that. Suck. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying your name sucks. Yeah. I get it though. Yeah, for sure. No, it's just like shy kids puts a real expiration date on. Yeah. At, at 30, it became increasingly more difficult to like seriously say it to. But then you think about the Beach Boys and like, they'll always be the Beach Boys, you know, mm-hmm. even with Brian Wilson being much older. You could be like the shy men or that kind of you sounds, know, that, that, that sounds I, weird I, a little. I <laughs> people call us the shy guys, which is, um, <laughs> I'm okay with it. It's Mary. just like the backstreet men. It doesn't quite... <laughs> You know, it's like when they've kind of heard of you, but don't really know who you are. You're like the shy guys or something, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like worse than that, like, I mean, the biggest arguments we had was like the capitalization question and the official spelling, in my personal opinion, is shy kids, no caps. That doesn't just mean I'm not lying. I mean, like no capital letters, Mm -hmm. no uppercase at all, because it looks like shy and small and quiet. Right. Uh, but yeah, people have changed it and write it in all caps and stuff. You got to just, as long as people are saying your name, that's the, that's the hard part. 100%. So in like some of the album covers and pictures of you guys, you guys are like wearing masks. Is that still a thing or no? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> got to get our masks. Um Yeah, we had our friend Marty design uh, a logo. 
And I kind of think the reason he was designing the logo was like a shy guy from Mario. That's to mm. me, I think what he was going for, to be honest. I don't know. I should ask him. Um, but it kind of goes with the theme of something going on underneath. So we kind of, I think, adopted that. Um, yeah, that moniker in a way of like, it's an outward projection of being shy. It's an outward symbol. Right. Being shy. Are you guys still, are you guys still shy? Are you, were you guys ever shy? You did a talent show. <laughs> Make me really rethink everything. <laughs> uh, good point. I mean, I still would classify us as, as shy, but yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't be too shy. Otherwise nothing would get done. Yeah. Good point. yeah. I think like a shy kid doesn't necessarily mean you don't have a lot going on in your head. Um, it just means uh, it's, it's internal. And so I think that, mm. yeah, I think that that's more the shy kid that we are than people say that all the time. They're like, you're not very shy. It's like maybe, but if you really get to know us, I think we be we reveal ourselves to be more shy than. Um, oh, yeah. so you're nice when people first meet you, and then the more they know you, you're shy, and then you don't want to talk to them. friendships more closed off, as you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I just think it's like it's it's a state of being. It's not necessarily something that you behave as. It's right. just like a. It's always just if, if you just say shy kid, it's kind of just evokes this, a sense and feeling. I think we just like the the thing it stirs in people, those, that combination of words. Yeah, I like it. So you went from doing this talent show and meeting each other and all that. So what was the next step? You graduated and then did you guys start touring or were you touring in college and university well, or? In in university, we put out an EP uh, oh, with field trips. called Field Trips, which got a bit of play on early 2010s internet stuff like uh, blogs, blogs and stuff. Um, and then, but we didn't really we did a couple of live shows, but they were all kind of bare bones, and we were sort of figuring out what that live show could look like. And in the meantime, to help fund that, Matt and I, who had both had somewhat animation backgrounds, had started. Uh, doing like explainer videos and stuff for certain startups around Toronto just to kind of help pay the bills. Mm. So we were sort of moving that direction in terms of business while keeping music on the side as sort of this thing that we were still figuring out. And then in our final year of film school, Walter and I having now become pretty dang close um, for our thesis project, we pitched doing a short film that was set entirely on a kid's computer screen. Mm. Mostly because we didn't want to be worried about big sets, big budgets, all that stuff that comes with. And uh, we spent a lot of time on computers. Yeah. And it felt like an honest story to us. So that film was called Noah. And it it was, it won the, our university's um, film talent show for film. <laughs> uh, and... Then it got into the Toronto International Film Festival, which is quite a prestigious festival, and it won that. Mm. And that year, uh, TIFF uh, had partnered with YouTube to put all the short films online. And so our film went online, and because it was the first film that was, or one of the first films that was set on a computer screen, people watched it on the computer screen and were like really impressed by it. And it went really viral. And so it won the film festival, it won the Toronto film festival and it, it had like millions of views online. And so as we were making music and doing that plan of like, how do we tour and be a band? We had this like tidal wave of a film project that we kind of made very, you know, modestly uh became like a really big hit so we kind of said let's follow this wave as it's as it seems to be a good one and from that um we got sort of 
calls from all over the show from like Ben Stiller and magazines and all this kind of stuff. And we were really like the flavor of the month for film. And so we kind of like, yeah, just kept going with that. And in the meantime, we were like, yeah, let's keep making music um, as we do that. And these people don't even care that we make music. So we can just kind of do it almost like secretly. And hopefully we can make music that can influence our films and films that can influence our music. And, mm-hmm. and we've just kind of continued from there. So, yeah. So we, yeah, we fo- ended up folding that animation thing that Matt and I were doing. Like, why don't we just, the three of us get together and take this film opportunity and just call it shy kids. Let that be the band and the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. It'll just be us kind of doing it all together. And that's just kind of how it, how it went after that. And who adds what to like the group? Like, do one of you guys know how to shoot better than edit or who does what usually when it comes to filmmaking and who does what when it comes to making music? Matt's our tech guy. Um, <laughs> kind of all the tech questions go to him. Um, Walter, <laughs> it was a joke because of the webcam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hit me up. IT. <laughs> yeah walter uh walter is a very talented director and has a lot of vision and writes and and kind of is the driving force behind the big big stuff matt and i coming from more post-production backgrounds bring a lot to the animation and graphics and editing side of things they do the actual work hell yeah and then uh yeah in terms of cinematography it's kind of a, uh, you know it's a, it's a Rolodex of, of collaborators we like working with to help bring stuff to life. Yeah. Oh, and interesting. That does, I mean, everybody is quite multi-hyphenate, I would say. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no, like, at least not for the time being, like, the same way that there's saxophones on our album. None of us really play saxophone, but we know someone who can play saxophone. And similar, if you see a project where we have you know, hand-drawn animation that our friend for like the, I was in New York video, our, our friend Carly did all the hand-drawn animations. So the thing that I like about the name Shy Kids too, is it kind of like anyone can, can join the gang, you know, as long as they follow the tenants or, or whatever, um, <laughs> the strict rules and regulations. Um, but yeah, so we've always kind of grown and expanded depending on what music we're making or what film we're making. Sometimes we make everything like by ourselves and sometimes that core group expands to include producers and directors of photography and saxophone players and et cetera. Hell yeah, that's that's dope. What keeps you guys like together and working well together? I mean, a decade of figuring out how to do it helps. Um, it definitely, you know, you go through a lot as a band and as business partners that I think. And as friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In that. Legally obliged. <laughs> I just mean like I don't, friends, friends to me is like is where it starts. But it's like once you start to introduce all these other responsibilities is where that stress can be introduced to relationships. And I think because we've been through so much and worked out different, like how to actually talk to each other and how to work together it's an investment in those relationships. So it would be wild now after working to streamline and make this thing work so well mm-hmm. to like ever go and try to do it somewhere else when it's working so well here. I, th- I think it's kind of like a brotherhood at, at this point. Like I think at the 10 year mark, you you should get some sort of like DNA test or something like that to prove <laughs> that. Um, but I think that, the other thing is that we've been able to make so many things and so many diverse things because everyone has their own talents. And like in terms of what Matt does, like Matt learned guitar by like he doesn't know very many covers on guitar, but just kind of picked up a guitar and learned it. And I watched him because we all lived together. I watched him do the same with piano where he just like doesn't know any other songs other than our songs <laughs> and even sometimes those, but 
just sat at the piano and like learned piano. And what's really amazing about that, like a very modern example of how effective that is, is we're producing, we produced a film called Therapy Dogs mm-hmm. and one slam dance last year. It's an amazing film by this guy named Ethan Eng. And he had all these songs inside of the film that he couldn't clear. And like over the weekend, it was like, what are we going to do about trying to clear this stroke song? Like, I don't have the strokes on speed dial. And Matt showed a demo of a song that he made on piano. And Ethan just used that song. And so that's a pretty amazing thing as a filmmaker to have one of the be- one of my favorite composers constantly composing stuff um similarly if matt makes a a song maybe we can make visuals to it or we can try something like that so i think that it's this kind of um constant uh ouriboros of like what's influencing what and mm. who's helping who and and but yeah that's like a really amazing thing to have in your back pocket of someone who can create unbelievable songs on a piano and like i can't play piano and yeah so that's a really cool that's an amazing thing just to have around right so is filming and music happening happening like simultaneously at the same time for the most part then Generally, yeah. I think, yeah, I think music is always going to be <laughs> action. <laughs> um, music's always going to be on the go because it's how you stay sane. I think working on that stuff and it's, uh, I mean, film, I think like the music stuff is always a little bit larger in scope. They're like, it's a little bit, it's cooking under the surface. Whereas the film projects we work on or graphics projects we work on as a production company are kind of coming and going and coming and going and, there's tighter turnarounds, whereas music we take our time with and work to make something that is worth the time. Right. Yeah. We generally yeah, we'll, we'll like be at the the studio like working on film thing and then come home and play some music. So yeah, it's simultaneous, I think, at least for me. Yeah, and I think like just because of the way that we are when we're talking about a song like if you were to describe a song you can go yeah make that a a g or whatever but i think generally we kind of talk in more visual terms and we're always talking this sounds like this or i imagine this when i hear this song and so when you have that in your head then you can kind of like it's it's a hop skip and a jump away from like what a music video would be mm-hmm. um so if you're kind of writing lyrics and having a song in some ways you're like painting a picture in your head and so then it's like a a quick step to there and then for other film projects <laughs> you know we're working for big companies and it's like how do we clear music it's like well we could put our own mu- like yeah. oh like that music in the trailer that's actually us um so it's like yeah it's a very um oftentimes the film side doesn't know about the music side and then they're like i looked you up on spotify and wow guys what's been going on here (laughs) so that's a fun treat yeah it's something we've been working on in the last few years to better I hate the term synergize, but to like bring them together and have them speak to each other a bit more. Right. So you, you guys released Noah and gained all this traction. And what happened from there? Like, was it like ups and downs or just stay up or what happened? The ups. <laughs> uh, hockey stick. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, um, very, we went. very messy terrain after that, for sure. Yeah, we we got brought down to the states to uh, have a lot of meetings mm. and pitch the next thing, which we didn't quite have as ready to go as we probably should have. But we were like, we were down there, like big eyed, just taking it all in and, and saying a bunch of wild stuff to these people about what we could do next. 
the most wild of which seems to be we're working on an album because nobody nobody cares to hear that yeah mm. their eyes just glazed over and that lofty came out after noah right yeah lofty was 2015 which was our first yeah. that was our first lp and that was put out that was built of songs we've been working on for like three or four years mm. and that was two years after we did noah and so that group of music compromised well we all lived in a loft together which is partially where the name comes from mm -hmm. and that album was very uh kind of had a multitude of sounds on it and it had the song rockets where everyone was like what is your next film project and we're like we're gonna make this music video out of candy and people are gonna lose their minds and people did really like the music video but we were coming down off this high of noah that had millions of views and write-ups and blah 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 and i think when we released rockets we we're like okay <laughs> here come the write-ups they're just figuring it out and they're just gonna write it and yeah so we had that album which kind of encapsulated a lot of the um the time spent together kind of pre-noah and a little bit post it and we were pitching film projects and it was like a comedy of errors as like nothing was going through, but we would get these occasional, like we would work on stuff, not like our own ideas or stuff like that. We would instead do a lot of work for other people. So if like people, because Noah was so like about computers and stuff, mm -hmm. if someone wanted a text message in their film, they like came to us to, you know, talk to the youth. And so we had some projects like that and worked on that. And then that experience kind of of being in America and th that chaotic time, I think was a lot is what influenced in a state, which was our second album. And it had a very different, maybe it's not that different of a sound, but we thought it was more instrumental and, by instrumental, I mean like a bigger band with horns and... It was definitely more traditional in terms of instrumentation. Mm. More traditional. Yeah. And we met this like crazy record producer who like promised us the moon of like, yeah, like you guys can do, go into the studio and we'll have a string section and all that stuff. And we did, um, and that's what In A State uh, came to be and we decided that what was wrong about the last album was we didn't make a music video for every single song and so we made a music video for every single song up in a state and that kind of works as like a 30 minute visual album um yeah where we made all the music and all the visuals for it basically hell yeah that's super dope and what year is this by now that came out in early 2018, February of 2018, I believe. Hell yeah. So you, you started finding like your footing in 2018, you'd say? Uh, no, no. <laughs> footing. I, I would say that I'm still searching <laughs> solid ground. Um, yeah, throughout all of that too, in terms of the live, the presence as a live band as well, we were still trying to figure out what exactly... Mm. Where I mean the initial the initial run of live stuff was a lot of like samplers and keyboards and reverby delay vocal effects very like trying to be psychedelic and trippy and then we kind of went the other way when we went more with like for in a state with all the, the bigger band stuff it was like okay let's do guitars bass drums and then we can bring players on when we can afford them and when they're free mm -hmm. um, and also we tried with our live shows to like which we did successfully actually a few times. Like we wanted to play with like visuals going on because visuals were such an important part. So <laughs> we would show up to like these little bars and stuff with like, okay, where does our uh, jumbo screen go in our projector? <laughs> right. And, like, we would set up like full on <laughs> like yeah we had like long long production meetings to play these like six band showcases where we get 30 minute sets big production meetings about okay where is the projector going to go in relation to the drum kit to rear project in front of us 
So we and you could see all these promoters when we turn up be like we'd be walking in with like big seat stands. <laughs> they'd be like, "What is this? Yeah. What are you doing?" And then it was like, "Yeah, some band would be wrapping up, and we'd be like hustling to get on stage, <laughs> like, and like with like our as our own rodents, just like setting up this like stuff, setting up not only our instruments and like oh, it would be so killer when like some guys just sitting there at the drum kit like." <laughs> How's that bass sound? And we're like, dude, we we have to get the screen, yeah. the projector, the syncing of the audio, and all this stuff. Yeah. And so like, no, I was yeah. When a sound guy would come out and be like, I don't think we're going to be able to do a line check for you guys. We'd be like, you are <laughs> in trouble if you don't know what we're bringing on stage. <laughs> so yeah, so we like. Yeah, we eventually what we eventually settled on, and I think have always been our best shows is we. Starting in 2015, around the release of Lofty, we were like, why don't we just organize a night where we be in control of everything? Sure, we'll go out of pocket on it, but we'll be able to invite all of our friends, anybody we think might be interested or who could like help broadcast the word, rent out a space, spend all day getting it set up, and then do like a fully, like a full experience with visuals, with costumes, with decorations magicians comedians djs um and those always ended up being like that is what i think if if anybody who went to a shy kid show in toronto in those years if they would be to like rank their favorite it would definitely be those nights because yeah and some of them were really cool like for uh in a state because we had this live album mm -hmm. we basically like live scored or visual album, album visual visual album. album we like live scored it so we like played the album verbatim live but then in the back everyone could like watch the show but then they could also watch the film and it was kind of like that's our dream but when you're just a small band it's kind of hard to be like you know what's your uh what's your laser light show like here so um i think because of that and because the film work that we were getting was uh so all-encompassing we kind of took a back seat, like we're the Beatles. We took a back seat to um, live performing and focused more on making um, studio things, studio mm -hmm. songs, and especially singles. And so that is where like the string of singles of like Backwards in Love, uh, I Love Everything, uh, Recent Times, Don't Delete Me. That's where all those songs kind of came from because we kind of realized like we're not going to make it probably in the conventional ways of touring and picking up a couple fans each night. We're probably more likely to hit it big by releasing songs and releasing videos for those songs. And that can really do a lot of the promotion for us. Um, so yeah, that kind of takes us almost to, to now, because that's what we've been doing the last couple of years is releasing singles um and now we're geared up to start releasing new music which we have some ready to go and we have some on the way and there's also a lot of big film projects that we have kind of coming out and that's kind of where we're at yeah it was currently. kind of ironically kicking off with the worst year of a lot of people's lives the 2020s where things started to if you were to talk about finding footing yeah that's where opportunities really started to like kick into gear for us we signed with a label everything forever uh which is a vancouver based label oh wow uh, do you have to like how do you get there then or do you ever visit there or how do you we haven't they've they've been in town here uh once or twice we haven't made it out there yet but uh yeah they're great I, yeah it's it's so interesting because well you say like 2020 which is a bad year for everybody it's like locked inside <laughs> nobody's leaving their house that sounds like a shy kid all day <laughs> yeah we've been practicing that uh we've been practicing isolation for a long time so we were we were bred in isolation mm. uh, and yeah and yeah we signed to a label and how did it. they hear us that, that's an interesting oh you know how i can tell you exactly how um I saw this guy on TikTok whose name is Tyler, who is our, uh, who is the head of the label. And 
he had a TikTok that was like, is there any new music that I haven't heard? And I was like, us. And he listened to us and he was like, wow, this is amazing. And I was like, yeah, TikTok really works. And actually, he just went viral on TikTok. I don't know if anyone's seen this, but like he, have you guys seen this? The Wordle thing? Yeah, Yeah. he was like on Wordle. Pardon, sorry, Matt. I, I didn't see it. I'm just wondering what he did. He was he was on Wordle and he guessed the word and the word was C H O R D and he couldn't figure out what the word was. He's like chord, chord. He's like, what is chord? <laughs> and then the best part of the video is when he realizes it's chord and you know he's a musician who plays guitar, I believe, and he's like, oh my god, and you just see his him like. But yeah, TikTok, it can bring us all together. That's 100%. That's, yeah. Or mind control us, either one. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. But so basically, I like I like to say this podcast is like it's by artists for artists, you know? So like your your journeys are important for like the fans to hear but also for other artists to hear. So would you say that when you guys found your footing or purpose and focused on something, that's when things started to connect? Or do you just think it was a culmination of everything that happened over the years? I mean, it's so hard to say. Mm. I mean, when I, when I, footing was as a result of opportunities that were very clear to us, um, that were granted to us, that then kind of forced us to really kind of lock in. But I don't, It's it's... It's very hard to say whether that is the reason or if it's because of the many years before that of like working to figure it out that of course it's going to click in place eventually. Were there, were there moments where you're like, fuck, we're about to make it? Cause I feel like I tell all my friends don't have hope. (laughs) Like you you should really just focus on what you're doing. Like one of my friends, they're about to release a new album and they're like, all I need is music videos for every single song. And then, that's it. It's, 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 I'm going to win. It's, it's, that's what's going to happen. And I'm like, I don't. And then as the, the, the moment you say, this is my year, I'm like, it's not going to be your year. If you're like that, that's how, yeah. that's my take at least. I mean, I think all of our, all of our most rewarding and positive outcomes have always come on the heels of something we went into with no, with no grand expectation. Mm. And we just do it to make the thing that we wanted to make. And I think that all the most crushing defeats have been at the foot of large expectations where we go in saying this is going to blow everyone's minds. Hmm. Yeah. And what's the saying? Like expectation is the thief of joy or something like that. And I think that that's like largely true. And I think that, yeah, with like the Rockets story, we thought Rockets was going to be so big and we thought candy companies would reach out to us and ask us to make ads and like all this kind of stuff. And I think that a lot of the times when you're like expecting one thing, you're you're blinded to maybe what the actual opportunities are. Mm. And when you're not in expecting and you're in a place where you're in accepting and you know, kind of moving with the way that the tides are moving or the way that the wind is blowing. I think that oftentimes you can just find yourself in more interesting places than when you're rigid and you're going to do that. That being said, like when we made um, Backwards in Love, which is our most listened to song, we all were like, this is the best. This like, this should be the single for sure. So I, I think it's, not entirely honest to be like we had no clue every time we had a success it's like sometimes you do have a little bit of an inkling that oh this is a pop song or oh this is has a can cast a wide net but i think that um i think the footing is actually being more comfortable with being on shaky ground necessarily than it is we found some solid footing it's more just we've spent a long time in limbo. So like now we know how to limbo and now we know how to dance and move around and, and be fluid. Whereas before we might've been less so. Fair enough. I have one question about backwards in love. Why the Chinese characters on the cover art? Have you seen the video? I have not. Oh shit. Is uh, it like related really to the video? See the video. That makes sense. Oh. So um, I believe 
So yeah, they are Chinese. They are Mandarin, correct? I took Mandarin for three years. There you go. Well, you should know then. Um, So the video that we did, uh, it's a one take video. And the video was shot at a karaoke bar in Koreatown. And the concept for the video was it was just going to be one long uh, zoom in that we shoot backwards so that the film will start zoomed in completely and end on like everyone kind of partying in the karaoke place. Mm -hmm. So at those karaoke places, they have these like weird, like they have the song. So they would have backwards in love or whatever song. And they would have these crazy, like auto generated music videos. And then they would also have like translations underneath the video. And sometimes they were in Mandarin, sometimes they were in Korean. The reason I went with Mandarin was because I knew a person who could translate our song. And so it just felt, it looked like those videos you get at a, at a karaoke bar. So yeah, so we shot it at this karaoke bar and um, yeah, Pat had to learn the song backwards at like five times the speed. Um, Very roughly. Almost almost nailed it every time. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's why there is. uh, We're going off the translator's word. So I don't know. You've seen the cover. Is it how, how how bad is it is it i forget it? everything and i because when i took it i took it in like everyone in my class was already like chinese and i was like the only black kid or the only person that wasn't chinese also so everyone would get like a's it was like it was like they were doing like the alphabet for them basically it was like it was like if you were in college learning the alphabet like the, everyone knew what was going on, so it was just an easy really? day. And then, like, if I failed like a test or something, everyone would know. So to keep up with the class, I would just like memorize everything, mm-hmm. and then just basically like, throw it up on the test. So I never really learned it that well, which is disappointing. Like maybe if I did, what is it, Duolingo or whatever, one of those apps? Like maybe. I don't know that Duolingo is like. Uh, none of the sentences are applicable in life. <laughs> yeah. right. My my partner was she's learning uh, Spanish. Well, she spoke Spanish growing up, but mm. she's relearning it. And she uh, she was just doing it last night in bed, and I could hear it from the other room. Just the the voice actor was like a young kid, and it was just going like, papa, papa, and it sounded very dire. Whatever sentence was trying to be translated, <laughs> it was like it's it's a lot. That's great. So you also you guys just recently released a uh, drone music. What is drone music? Drone music is a soundtrack. Yeah. Two. This is this is one of the first big marriages we were talking about of Ooh. music and film. But it doesn't sound like you've seen the film. So uh, we made a film called Jeff. Wait, where are you guys releasing this these films? I haven't seen any of your films, and I I tried my best to do research, and I'm a fan. Trust me, I'm not just like. <laughs> So like okay. you 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 stumbled upon us through the music, so that's the channel you've you found yourself in. There is a lot, there's a lot of stuff going on on the outside though. Yeah, so um, it's actually you can find the film on a website called Short of the Week, or if you look up Jeff Amazon Drone, you should be able to find it. A lot of our film stuff is on our YouTube, um, but not this. This one was released through Short of the Week, uh, so it was a film about uh, an Amazon delivery drone Hmm. uh, making a drop off in the apocalypse. And that's an interesting story. So we, we were making, we thought we were going to make a different film about these two little girls. Um, But the little girls on the day that we were shooting, uh, they, the one little girl, Kira, who's like the cutest, Um, the cutest little devil she just like decided she didn't want to read any of the script so (laughs) we had this film that like we didn't have the entire script so it didn't really work so we changed the the plot of the film to be mainly from the perspective of the drone and um, the song that was on it is a song that Matt wrote called Walk to the Store 
and it's a very beautiful uh, kind of instrumental uh, melodic piece, and it's the main piece of music in the short film. And so we released um, it with the title Drone Music, because like, that's a funny name, because it's about a drone. Um, but we just wanted those songs to get out there and get listened to them. And there is a Walk to the Store, which is the main song that's in the film, mm-hmm. as well as just a beautiful instrumental. And then there's a cover from our good pal Mallory, who's Pat's partner, as well as uh, an excellent musician in her own right. If you heard the song Five Years, that was a cover of one of her songs. Mm. Um, and then it's the cover of a David Bowie song. Sorry, yeah. I meant 21 20, years. One years. Sorry. Yeah, five years. She did a cover of a Bowie song called Five Years for yes. the Credits. And... Yes, which is the credit sequence of the film. Um, sorry, if you've listened to the song, our cover of her song called 21 Years, um, that's her as well. She's also been featured on some of our other songs, uh, I Don't Want the World to End. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then our last song is a version of Walk to the Store um that has a poem underneath it and that poem is the soundtrack to the other version of jeff which was the two girls which with the two girls which we still have all the beautiful footage of and will release one day but yeah we just um our friend liz wrote this uh beautiful poem and we put the poem over top of the song walk to the store so still have to release that i'm not sure when we will but yeah it's a sorry that's a convoluted answer but that's that's where drone one more song that pat ended up calling no new deliveries which was like i guess it's sort of like the halfway point of the film and it sort of like builds off walk to the store but it um it's it's a real different take on it. I I was watching um, those uh, Baraka movies, Baraka, and what's the other one? Samsara. Samsara. Yeah, yeah. There's like such beautiful music in those movies. So I tried to make something like that. Mm-hmm. So the film kind of had a flavor of that. So there's like those weird. Gregorian choir kind of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Damn. That's that's kind of cool because like Seattle, that's where Amazon's based. So maybe we can connect over your Amazon drone in this being yeah, a I've Seattle always, podcast. I've always wanted to visit their like weird office that looks like a treehouse or whatever. Oh, the biosphere. Yeah, the biosphere. Yeah, the two uh, big fucking balls and there's like a playground underneath it and it's really cool yeah i've heard it's really cool but i've read so much about amazon and jeff bezos and um so i feel like i know i know (laughs) maybe has jeff bezos seen your video you should like i don't know i i always wanted to like find out where he's staying and fly a drone with like a usb (laughs) attached to it like drop it off to him um but hopefully after uh everyone hears your podcast it'll get to him you know yeah my friends it's it's kind of like lateral to jeff bezos bill gates my friends in high school used to like run onto his property and get chased off by the security guards for fun so these and they people, fly drones <laughs> they should have had drones and then it would have been easier um so supposedly I just recently learned this, even though I'm from Seattle, I guess to be a true Seattleite, you're supposed to not like Amazon. That's what I've heard. But I'm going to try to push this message of this, this, this short film. I can't believe I haven't seen it yet. I just, I thought there was just the, the soundtrack. I didn't even know the thing was out yet. Yeah. I also don't know if I would classify the short as particularly pro Amazon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or anti or anti. Like I still buy books from Amazon and as it was originally intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about Amazon. It's interesting. It kind of feels like inevitable 
kind of just feels like one company to rule them all. I mean, obviously mm. homogeny discourages unique beauty, um, but also it kind of feels like the way we're going, it's all just going to become one megacorp anyways. I guess it's just like, which uh, God do you want to worship? And I don't know if Jeff Bezos is the one I want to necessarily worship. Anyway, sorry, that's it. Done, yeah. done, done. You guys yeah. got to come on my conspiracy podcast. I have a second oh, podcast. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could tell you guys are in the conspiracies probably. It looks like, looks like you guys are. Wow, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> thanks. <for> that. <laughs> I'm dead. Okay. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you guys would like to promote before we ask the final question? Ooh. Oh, final question. That sounds exciting. Uh, when did you talk about any yeah, new stuff, guys? When does this? When does this drop? Probably within the next week or so. Yeah, I've done like Why? three. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, yeah, there's stuff. There's stuff uh, immediately on the horizon. Very close. Very close. The start of the next run of stuff. Yeah, we have some new music coming out. We have some films that are in the process of being finalized. Um, yeah, so it's it's a very exciting time. If you want to follow our YouTube and our Instagram and stuff like that, we're point you into some in interesting directions i'm curious though what what conspiracy do you believe to be true mm. like if you were to bet all your money on one conspiracy what would it be fuck i don't adrenochrome probably <laughs> damn go big <laughs> wow okay or no no actually at least at least Moloch. That was proven, right? I think that is famous. What's that? What'd you say? Uh -oh. You guys broke up. I said Alex Jones's famous first film, the yeah. God of Moloch, the owl god that the Skull and Bones uh, organization worships. And like Alex Jones went and had all this uh, footage that he shot from the from mm. the fort across as all these people from isn't it Yale that were worshipping this like you know paganistic uh, owl god yeah that's fucking really? wild yeah and then we oh, have Alex Jones first his early work have you guys seen Andrew Callahan's new HBO movie yet yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it was alright it was okay yeah. it was okay not really conspiracy though. That, yeah, that's true. That one was. I mean, let's talk about. I mean, it features Q as a prominent subject of conversation. Yeah. I see that conspiracy. Oh, I see. Right. I still yeah. don't know much. Is Q is that supposed to be a person, or I don't still understand how that. Use an idea, bro. We are all Q. Dun, dun. Wait, are there Canadians that are Q? Like. Probably yeah. For sure. What are like? Is like. The U.S. conspiracies. Oh, it, all it all like the smoke rises <laughs> from the <laughs> from the party. What's Us it? upstairs, we we get we get a uh, we get poisoned. The meth fumes. Yes. What 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 Canadians can are like U.S. conspiracies better than Canadian conspiracies, or are we all like are these all like human um, race conspiracies at this point? The best one that I know that's like Canadian specific is that Justin Trudeau is Castro's son. Oh, because uh, Justin Trudeau, his dad, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, the mother, the wife, what was her name? Mary? She was like a really cool lady and she would like hang out with the Rolling Stones and a lot of Pierre Elliott Trudeau's like messaging was like, don't ask what's going on in the bedroom. So anyways, there's a lot of rumors that... um that he's actually Fidel Castro's son. And if you look at young pictures... If you look at those photos, it's, it's pretty crazy. Convincing. It's pretty convincing. It's crazy. It's crazy. But aside from that, <laughs> I don't know. That's wild. <laughs> okay, so final question. 
pretty straightforward, but record labels, what's the pros and cons for up and coming artists that are considered considering wanting to be part of a record label? It's, I think it's interesting because in Canada, the grant system we have is like a big, it's a big opportunity maker for artists. Mm-hmm. Um, labels, for better or for worse, are like the, the entry point into that system. They through, but just by nature of, of being recognized and having track records um, and a certain amount of cash flow, the, they'll just be looked at favorably. So it is a, it's a great way to access funds. That's Canada specific though. Mm-hmm. I would say in a more spiritual sense that having people who support you is almost as necessary as making the thing because you can make music, but if no one supports you, then it's really hard to keep going. And a lot of the times record labels can get a really bad rap because rightfully so there's been a lot of crappy deals and things like that. But I think like the reason we signed with everything forever was because we saw a TikTok video and we liked it and we liked the people behind it. And to have people believe in you, I think that's a really amazing feeling and can help boost your confidence, but furthermore can like boost your trajectory because they can, um, they can tell you, they can show you off to other people. And sometimes, especially when you're shy, it's a little bit difficult to pump your own stuff. And sometimes it's really nice to have somebody, especially Tyler, for example, is in a band called Said the Whale, which is a great Canadian band. Um, And they, you know, have their own reach of fans. And for him to say, you should really check these guys out is really great, as well as Another great thing on a label is you can have a community of collaborators that can help make a music video for you or can help take pictures or can open for you and all that kind of stuff. So while I think there is a lot of crappy labels and rightfully so that system is kind of getting cannibalized, I think that there is a lot of value to, um, having people help bang the drum yeah. for you. It's about looking at it more as a community, which is, I think, one of the things that we talked about early on with Everything Forever, our label, um, about was like that was what they were after, was not a traditional label, but making something that felt more like a community of artists that can support each other and work together. Mm. Well, so, yeah, I would certainly for us since we're like we have the film stuff and the music stuff can just get a little hectic like scheduling and getting everything um organized and so just working with these guys like there's like a spreadsheet it's like they need this by this date and it just kind of gives us like a nice uh, structure to inhabit since we're just kind of a lot of things going on mm-hmm. for, for us specifically I imagine it's different for every day. I also think that there is um, sometimes people who have bad experiences with labels, not all the time. Like, again, labels are have their bad rap, mm-hmm. probably for good reason. But I would say that sometimes um, the artist is unclear with what they expect from the label and how their relationship is supposed to work. So sometimes I think if you would like to get into a label or a label situation, it's really good to have like a set of expectations because I think a lot of the time with art, it's like, what is a successful piece of art? Is it something that has a lot of listens or is it something that's creatively fulfilling or is it something that lets you make the next thing or or whatever it is? I think like, the more that you can be clear up front with whoever your collaborators are, that this is what our expectation is. I think that that can be a way that can minimize the amount of crappy feelings towards a label. And I would say that that's another thing in this past year that I've really grown a lot in is I want to start before getting into 
bed with a label or producers or whatever, I want to be very clear up front as to what is our goals, what are we going to achieve them, and if we are not driving in that direction, then how do we break apart? Because like, you know, when you work on a film with someone, that's like a year of your life, maybe. So you got to really want to like being around those people. Same with music. You're entrusting the most personal thing that you have to people. So you better make sure that you like them and you can get along with them and you can have difficult conversations with them just like a relationship, you you should be able to communicate. And so sometimes I think artists have these grand expectations of what a label can do. And I would say that if you're upfront about what that is, then if the label is not fulfilling that, it's very easy to be like, hey, we said we were going to do X, Y, and Z, and we're not accomplishing that. So is this relationship worth continuing? Can we change this? Or should we say our goodbyes and yeah but it's easier to do that up front than it is retroactively 100 percent. so with that do you guys have any final advice for up-and-coming artists creators influencers (laughs) stay woke yeah Get on TikTok, <laughs> push that, push that stuff. Make your song short, digestible. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would know. just say make stuff for you. Yeah, that is always the biggest thing. It's like the stupid advice, but it's you're going to be the one who has to live with it around your neck forever. And so make sure it's something that you like. And inevitably, there's going to be songs that you make that retroactively you look back at them and go, oh, that was stupid, mm-hmm. like past video game songs. But I think you should be proud of all that stuff. Oh, and thanks, man. I want to hear yeah. the Halo one, though. You didn't even want to do Beyonce's Halo. Um, <laughs> wasn't out yet. Right. Um, but yeah, I just think like, just make stuff and people are like, will constantly tell you what they think works and that's always old news and only you know what works because if you're in if you make music you're probably a really big music fan and you probably know what's missing and so i would just say don't get discouraged when people try to box you in the people that are the most interesting are the people who don't listen to that stuff. And those are the people that we write about and think about because they're doing something interesting. So make stuff that you like and with reason, don't listen to the detractors because it's stupid. It's only, you know what you are. So don't let anyone else tell you what you are. What's the easiest way to reach you guys? You can find us on our Instagram at shy kids underscore shy kids underscore. Yep. Some kid has been parking shy kids for 10 years now. We can't get that username. He's also got shykids.com. to all the people of Seattle. Please send our film Jeff to Jeff Bezos. Um, yeah, we're on Spotify too. And YouTube, Spotify, Apple music, Amazon music. <laughs> <laughs> And and this podcast will be available on Amazon Podcasts. So, really, there we go. This is the Nast Podcast with Patrick, Walter, Matt, (laughs) and you guys are shy.